0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Rhone Apparel. Rhone is a men's premium fitness apparel and activewear brand that provides gear for the modern man who demands modern style, comfort, and quality. The design is sophisticated with minimal logos and everything is crafted using luxury fabrics of premium quality. But if you do not love your gear, do not worry. They offer free returns and exchanges so you have nothing to lose. Not to mention, all orders ship free. Time to upgrade. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter promo code WATCH and I'll dole out 20% off your first purchase. Benevolent. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you are like me, and you are not so great at planning ahead, you have to try Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute up to seven days in advance. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps, and a swipe. So what are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last-minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now.
1: I need supports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk
2: now. Now.
0: Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, Crickets. No Andy Greenwald this week. He is out of town right now. So I thought I would go out of town, at least emotionally. You know, I would like, virtually go out of town. I wanted to talk to some of our New York staff members at TheRinger.com. So I, I got together a group of a Sinister Six from New York City to talk to me about uh, what they've been digging recently. I wanted to do another Ringer Recommends episode. We did one of these a couple months ago with a lot of people from the West Coast office and and that was really fun. I was thinking, you know, oh, somebody's going to be like, I'm getting into, you know, Wonder Woman or something. But n- nobody was really, it's like, none of this stuff is going to be very like mainstream, hot off the blogs type cultural recommendations. And that's good because I thought we got to learn a lot about the people who we talked to and we also got to hear about a ton of interesting stuff, stuff that I wasn't even up on. So you're about to hear from Justin Charity Kate Nibbs, Andrew Godadaro, Lindsay Zolads, Donnie Kwok, and our buddy Cam Collins. We're going to recommend some Instagram accounts, some documentaries, some books, and some good music. So stay tuned. We got a Ringer Recommend show from our New York staff. Six people, six recommendations. Hope you like it. All right, now I am joined by the Ringer's Justin Charity, who's going to recommend... I think something a little bit outside the the usual watch, uh, grab bag of pop culture, but but still part of the the fabric of our lives, man, is video games. But it's a very specific kind of video game, right, Justin?
2: Well, I'm I'm recommending a console. I'm recommending the the Nintendo Switch, which is the new, relatively new, uh, handheld console from new, from Nintendo.
0: Okay, so wh- give me like uh, how much has this taken over your life? Because that's well, always my concern with any of these things.
2: It's weird. I've actually I feel that I have responsibly incorporated (laughs) Nintendo Switch into my life. That's a big part of why I like it. Um, It's because like I I own a PlayStation Four otherwise, right? And that's a console, and it's in my living room, and I usually like plop down and play it for long stretches. But it's weird. I haven't owned a handheld console in a long time, and when I got the Switch to play the new uh, Legend of Zelda game, I found myself sort of just playing it um in in these little sweet spots right like right after filing a draft of a story or while well, i was yes. falling asleep <laughs> <laughs> or, or on the bus
0: yeah that's how i used to smoke cigarettes it was like there was like a reward-based system of like i got it through a subway ride alive exactly like oh, i'll have a cigarette now. yeah <laughs> um i want to know if with, with these handheld devices now like, I find that usually, like my uh, use of social media is largely to take up any moments that I might be alone with my thoughts. So is that is the Nintendo switch like taking over that place where you're like, "Oh, I don't have to like look at Twitter while I'm online or on the subway now, or is it more of a like, this is something I actively want to do? so that's
2: it's interesting that you phrase it that way because when I first bought um, a PlayStation in January, I specifically made a bargain with myself, and it was that. I am buying this with, with the intention of using it to displace all the time that I otherwise would spend on social media.
0: <laughs> right. As something that's right. more
2: enjoyable and less toxic, I think. I think video games I wanna,
0: can, are less toxic. Can you write my wife an email that I can just <laughs> sign at the bottom that it's just like, dear Chris's wife, this is the these are the reasons Chris needs a PS4. Is this like far less checking British soccer Twitter and you know, like all the things that are that are destroying my marriage?
2: No, it's it's totally great because I mean, in the sense that the Nintendo Switch ray is a is mobile. It's it's certainly larger than an iPhone. It's like four times the size of an iPhone. But um, even that, even the sort of like visceral instincts of like holding a handheld device, where you're like, I should tweet instead. It's like I should play <laughs> a Mario Kart Eight Deluxe match, and it feels so much more fun than tweeting, which is bad.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about Zelda, because I know that we've written about it on the site a couple of times. I think Lindbergh did. And it sounds incredible.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I it's my first Zelda game. <laughs> oh, OK. It's my first ever Zelda game. Um, and it's it's a very open ended game, which I, I, it makes it interesting to play it on the go because I'm not playing it with the sense of like oh, man, I had to stop at this point in the plot. Like, you spend a lot of the game just sort of wandering around this huge open world map and doing these side quests and exploring. You basically spend a lot of time solving puzzles. And it's just yeah. like a good – it's a very – it's it's strange because it's got a good story at the heart of it, and it's got great graphics and great gameplay. But at the same time, I kind of think of Zelda as just this – this thing that I I play ideally in idling moments. It's not a thing that I sit and want to play necessarily for super long stretches, so much as it's a thing I'm to play for an hour and then do something else, which is good. What that's how I of, should as an adult play video games.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... The, I think my problem with video games is, like, I just know that they will take over my life if I find... And I just... There's no room on achievement-oriented. So it would just be... Such a detrimental part. If I just started playing FIFA again, I know that I would just become so obsessed with it. What are some other games uh, on the Switch that you like?
2: Uh, well, I like Mario. So far, I've only really played um, uh, Zelda and Mario Kart 8. And Mario Kart 8 came out a few years ago um, for. I think the DS and I think it, I, I think it's on a couple platforms at this point, but it came up for the Switch around the launch time of the Switch a few month, months ago. And I actually a couple weekends ago <laughs> was with a few friends, um, and, and including my friend Kevin when, uh, shouts out to GQ who had a Mario Kart yeah. party <laughs> on a Saturday <laughs> where we got, I think we, I think at one point we got a full eight people in. Uh, across three different switches playing Mario Kart on a TV (laughs) and it was fantastic (laughs) but I've only recently started playing Mario Kart 8 on the switch solo um and and Oh man, it's such a beautifully designed, like the level design on the, the new Mario Kart is very good and it looks really good on a mobile device. And I actually, I have to go to, um, Daytona at the beginning of July to cover a NASCAR race. And I really look nice. forward to playing Mario Kart <laughs> in the, in the stands at, uh, the Coke Zero 0400.
0: <laughs> I, I think that might be the most boring version of Logan Lucky that we'll, we could get, but. All right, so Justin recommends uh, the Nintendo Switch and specifically Zelda and Mario Kart on that device. Justin, thank you for joining us. We're going to have to have you back on again and let us know how NASCAR went. Thanks, man. I will. Thanks for having me. Now I'm joined by the ringer's Kate Nibs. And I actually don't know what Kate's going to recommend to me. I have no prior knowledge. So, Kate, the floor is yours.
3: Okay, well, I was... I just switched my recommendation because I realized that I needed to tell you about something that is um an Instagram account, and oh, <laughs> I was gonna recommend the Keepers because I think it's a great documentary series, but i'm I'm currently more obsessed with this Instagram account. so everyone should watch <laughs> The Keepers, but we also need to talk about night lotion. Um, <laughs> that's what the Instagram account is called. The Hairpin wrote an article about it. That's how I find out about uh, all the hippest Instagram accounts. It's just reading blog posts about them. Okay. And so, so you've never heard of it? I've not. No. Um, can you guess what it is based on the title?
0: <laughs> um, is it like ASMRs of people putting lotion on at night?
3: Um, close, but it's so it's sort of looking. There's a TV and movie trope in which when women are talking to their husbands in scenes set in bedrooms at night, they put on lotion a lot, like it happens yes. in- this yeah, is, That's the Leslie Mann move. <laughs> Leslie Mann does that in every movie. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> They're so well moisturized. Yeah. And, and so th- what this Instagram account is just like a hyper niche account devoted to like stills of these movies and TV shows um, of the ladies lubing up. And <laughs> holy shit, are you serious? Yeah, and it's really it, you know it just it inserts a little delightful interlude into my Instagram browsing. I I really recommend it. Um, and it also wait, can you give me who's the Mount Rushmore of
0: this? Like, who are the best uh, lotion people?
3: Well, Leslie Mann is huge, but there's been like there's a bunch of sex in the city lotionings. There was a night lotioning event on uh Big Little Lies or Big Little Lies, yeah. Uh Nicole oh, Kidman. Course, yeah. yeah. Um almost any like there's a lot of these scenes. Uh nine oh two one oh, uh the crown, the queen, the queen moisturizes in the crown. Like what did they have for lotion back then? Was that like actual butter? I think it was like old-timey night cream. She's like patting it okay. on her face. I'm sure it was like made of caviar or something. <laughs> yeah, there's it's very pervasive, but it also makes me feel kind of self-conscious because like I don't apply lotion in my like bed, so I don't know. I might start. Um, okay. So yeah. it's
0: inspirational, but it's also like an incredible look and in, like to this very specific pop culture thing. Um, I'm j- I'm like kind of blown away. Like I'm a little bit caught flat footed here just because like now that you've said it, I can't not think about it. But uh, why, can you give me like uh, a like a solid 30-second reco on the, the Keepers as well, even though it's a little incongruous, I know, with night lotion?
3: Yes. Well, you can um, apply lotion at night while watching The Keepers, so that's how it comes together. Oh, awesome. But um, yeah, The Keepers came out last month. It's a documentary on Netflix, and I think it's one of the best true crime documentaries I've ever seen, but it's not really getting as much hype as like Making a Murderer or The Jinx, and I think it deserves more because it uh, it looks at a cold case about a nun who was murdered in 1969 in Baltimore. And uh, her former students, who are now sort of elderly women, uh, ha- have been like sort of amateur sleuthing around trying to figure out who killed this um, nun, Sister Kathy. And it ends up sort of widening out to an exploration of abuse within the Catholic Church in Baltimore. and. Uh, I think it's really interesting because it, it it sort of comes at you from the perspective of the victims in a way that most true crime documentaries don't. And I think more people should be watching and talking about it.
0: Yes. Yeah, so because like a lot, I think a lot of what I, there was some criticism of serial in the beginning. And I think a lot of this explosion of true crime stuff that we've had, there's been a lot of debate about. Is there too much focus on the investigator? Is there too much focus on the who done it part, which is sort of picking at the scabs of the victims and the victims' families in the first place? but you're saying that this is kind of like a more from the perspective of 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 the people who are directly affected by this crime
3: yes it's it's um I think it's like one of the least exploitative true crime series I've seen, and it it's like less of a who-done it and more just exploring why these women are, after so many years, still looking for accountability. Um yeah, I just think it's really well done. And I love true crime, but I've been kind of burnt out on it. That's why it like took me a few weeks to watch this show. But I'm just really impressed by how it managed to sidestep a lot of those like exploitative qualities of stuff like cereal or, you know, uh I I actually thought making a murderer was boring and I find this one also just better made. So have have you seen it? I haven't
0: seen the keepers yet. I watch murderer and I do watch a lot of like true crime stuff, but I haven't gotten around to the keepers yet. So I'll definitely check it out though.
3: Yeah, it's really good. I think, I think it, I wish it was like getting paid a little more attention to, but I don't know. Everyone should watch it.
0: Okay, cool. All right. Kate recommends, what is bound to be probably the greatest Instagram <laughs> account of all time, Night Lotion, and mm-hmm. also The Keepers, which is on Netflix. You can check that out now. You can read Kate Nibs on The Ringer. Thanks for joining us, Kate. No problem. All right. Now I am joined by one of The Ringer's pop culture writers and editors, Andrew Godadaro. Andrew, I'm, I don't know what you're going to recommend, but I'm very excited to hear because I feel like you always come with the heat on the site. So what's, what's going on with you this week?
4: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to deliver right now because the thing that okay. i'm recommending is out on friday and it is called 47 meters down it yes <laughs> it is Mandy
0: Moore at the Le- bottom yeah. of the ocean
4: let me give you a one sentence description it is a Mandy Moore starring film about shark attacks that's all i so, mean i don't think i need to say anything else but i will
0: i love it when when hollywood I get it when like, you know, you'll see like Homeland comes out, they make like 10 Homeland shows, but they kind of come out like two or three years later or they'll have like a successful like John Wick and now Atomic Blonde's coming out and it's just like you can see that this sort of like hyper gymnastics action is in now. But shout out to fucking Hollywood for being like, (laughs) you know what was a good movie? The Shallows. shallows. Let's (laughs) make another one. Um, So have you seen 47 Meters Down yet or are you just going off of the premise? Oh no, I saw it. And how's Mandy? How's Mandy doing? How's she doing? How's, how's her acting? Mandy's
4: great. I mean, she is pretty much by herself in like a little uh, a little cage. Forty seven meters <laughs> down. And, um, you know, she does fine. It's 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 not exactly a heavy lift, um, but it it's a fun movie and it's 85 minutes long, which is just yes. the best.
0: That's like two minutes per meter. That's great. (laughs) How much setup? Is there a lot of setup? Do we get to know a lot about her motivations for going 47 meters down? Or is it just kind of she jumps right into the water?
4: Um, It's a little bit of both. The setup, I, I don't think this is much of a spoiler to say, but it's basically like she is going through a breakup and she's in Mexico with her sister, who's the wild child. And Mandy Moore is, you know. She's feeling like she's not wild enough, which is why she broke up with her boyfriend. And so right. her her sister says, you know, like, it'd be great if you could get some Instagram shots of you in this cage with a shark. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And then she's like, okay, you're right. <laughs> and it goes downhill from this there.
0: Is a, this is a movie that I wish, you know, they they make movies now that are like pretty much available on iTunes immediately. Mm. But this is a movie where I feel like they should have made it and released it on cable immediately oh yeah and and just run it on a loop for like 12 hours a day and it's just like oh my favorite part of 47 meters down is on even though it's only been out for two days
4: yeah this is exactly what i want from a summer movie you know it's like 90 minutes long and i can kind of just forget about it when it's over i don't have to like worry about a shark universe
0: right that being said don't give away billion dollar ideas because the shark universe <laughs> is in play. And I don't know about you, but if we could get Mandy and Blake and the two sharks from the shallows and 47 meters down, like whatever their progeny. They just they come meet up
4: halfway. They're yeah, just and we have Mand- maybe Mandy and Blake
0: go to like a lake and there's like there's no way a shark could come to a lake, right? <laughs> and they've bonded over their shared shark trauma. And then again, they have to like face down the children of the sharks that they've battled. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me?
4: We're, yeah, we need to start writing now.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, we might have to delete this part of the podcast and get, get some agents on the phone. All right, Andrew, thank you so much. This is uh, That's really elite recommendation right there.
4: Go see it. It's worth it.
0: All right, take care, man. Thanks. See you. Thanks. We'll be back with more Ringer recommendations, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by T.J. Miller's Meticulously Ridiculous Special. Comedian, actor, and voiceover artist T.J. Miller is starring in his first HBO stand-up comedy special entitled T.J. Miller Meticulously Ridiculous. The special, filmed at the Paramount Theater in T.J.'s hometown of Denver, Colorado, highlights the Silicon Valley star high-energy unorthodox comedic observations on life death and everything in between featuring a water drenched tj miller and plenty of audience interaction this special offers his offbeat take on topics such as nightmares the differences between marijuana and alcohol his favorite historical figure and the challenges of talking about death tj miller meticulously ridiculous cracks open the eccentric mind of one of the most fearlessly weird comics today and premieres saturday june 17th at 10 p.m on hbo I would like to welcome back to The Watch, Lindsay Zolads, who I think is here to recommend some old media, not some new media, some dead tree media. Lindsay, what do you have for us? I have a book recommendation.
5: Remember books? Oh, yeah, sure. From, come from trees, <laughs> words on pages. Um, I want to recommend a novel that I read a couple months ago, um, Alif Batuman's novel, The Idiot. Um, oh, yeah. Which actually was lent to me by Ringer staff writer Kate Nibbs. So shout out to the Ringer Lending Library that we do have in <laughs> the New York office here. Um, and I know she's a fan of this book, too. But it brought me very vividly back to an uncomfortable time in my life, which was freshman year of college. I think an uncomfortable time, um, for many people and just a very specific mood, um, kind of it evokes like the moment before you find your real friends in college and sort of the weird, um, friendships and relationships of convenience, you might say that, uh, spring up like when you first get to a new place and are trying to figure it out. So, um, it was it was an emotional read for me in that way. So uh, that
0: that's the, the the that's the emotional summary of it. What's mm-hmm. like a kind of elevator pitch for like the plot?
5: Um, that's a tricky one because Batuman, she is um, also really good on Twitter. Some of you may know her from that, where her handle is Banana Karenina. <laughs> which I think kind of sums up like yeah. her vibe, um, in a nutshell, which is like very brainy, but goofy at the same time. Um, so it is like, it's not a very plot driven novel. It's more kind of like, um, the internal thoughts of this character, Selen, um, as she goes to, through her first year at, um, what definitely is Harvard, but is never like explicitly <laughs> stated as Harvard. Okay. Um, but it's not that hard to figure it out. So it's just kind of her, thoughts about the things that she's reading and the people that she's meeting and places that she's going in this very, um, tragic comic, I would say, uh, like movement from being really naive to being jaded as you become, uh, over the first year of college, maybe just speaking from personal experience here, but.
0: Oh, I'm going to ask you a personal question. So what is the best decision you made freshman year of college.
5: Oh my goodness!
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me. This is, this is this is where Ringer recommends gets real.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think I made a really good decision. Um, my second year of college that is like immature enough that it could scan as first year, so I'll go with that. But sure. I let's print the
0: legend. Yeah, yeah,
5: for my birthday um, that year. I had my friends stage a pie fight for me in the dorm (laughs) (laughs) it was and it was the year i was turning 20 and i remember being like i have to do something really childish because this is like my last night of being a teenager so we like went to the safeway and got a bunch of pie making support like just like tin foil and we put whipped cream in them and we had a pie fight and it was great and we got in trouble but then i told the RA that it was my birthday and he was like, Oh, that's fine. We'll clean it up then. It's so, it, I w- didn't get in trouble at all. College is great. That's a chill and RA. That's good. He was, yeah, he had, you know, we had witnessed, um, our fair for- share of him, uh,
0: having some proverbial pie fights too. So I think it was, <laughs>
5: okay.
0: It was all <laughs> good. But yeah. So, <laughs> um, I remember my big thing was my first year at temple. Uh, my roommate, you know, my, my signed dorm roommate the first night he was like, Hey man, like you want to go see gurus jazmatazz at the truck? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Shout like, out to into the truck.
5: Yes. Shout out
0: to the <laughs> truck. One of the greats, uh, great venues. And I went and we were, you know, after it was over, he was like, you know, that was cool. Do you want to go see fish this weekend? And I was like, no, I'm <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. And I just feel like my life could have gone in such a different direction if I had said yes to that. What a defining moment. Sliding doors. Um, Okay. I I do also
5: want to say about this book, like something else that I loved about it. It's about, so it takes place in 1995 and it's kind of about like early email. And a lot of the um, text of the book is these really early emails she's sending um, to her crush, Ivan, who she meets in a Russian language class. And it's such a good distillation of like emerging internet technology too. And the bizarre ways that we use it to communicate with each other. Like it brought me back to, um, it, like, I I basically am like 10 years younger than she is. So w- the the platform was different, but it reminded me of like very early Facebook um, and just sending like weird messages to people I didn't really know yet, but maybe had like things in common on our profiles, which actually was like how I met a lot of, um, what ended up becoming really good friends of mine in, in college, which feels embarrassing to s- say out loud, but, but <laughs> did also Did you have was, like, a super long it dot
0: .edu co- uh, college email?
5: I did. Yeah.
0: Yes. Th- th- that's really like the badge of honor for the internet, I think. Yeah. I would um, recite
5: it right now, but I don't know if it's
0: still active or anything, so... No, we can't. Not in this age of leaks. We can't do that. <laughs> no, okay, no, no, Okay, thank you. So Lindsay recommends The Idiot. Um, what was the author's name again? Elie Batuman. Okay, so there, you've got that, and you've also got somewhere out there Lindsay's uh, college emails, if you can crack the address and, and password yeah, somewhere. Yeah, the leaks are coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lindsay leaks. All right, thanks, Lindsay.
5: <laughs>
3: thanks.
0: All right, now I'm joined by uh, one of The Ringer's editors, Donnie Kwok. Hello. Who's here. To talk a little bit about a doc that's coming out, is it coming out this week? Or is it came out?
1: out last month in May. Okay. Yeah, so. And what's it called? It's called Bad Rap. And if you watch only one film about the plight of Asian American rappers, then I highly recommend this one. Okay, so
0: what was it, you know, you've been writing and kind of like part of hip hop culture for like probably most of your life. Like is what what makes this like a distinctive documentary, not only in in terms of its subject matter, but in like the the sort of tapestry of of, of hip hop uh, doc, docs.
1: Uh, I think you know, in a, it's obviously a, a documentary about rap and rappers, but more so than that, I mean, I think it provides interesting historical context. Uh, For Asians in rap And we're going As far back as Two Live Crew And Mountain Brothers Who I'm sure You're familiar Mm -hmm.
0: with Of course man
1: And Jin And just through the years uh, It has the historical Backdrop For this uh, Quartet I guess Four different um, Asian American rappers And their Story contemporary stories, including Aquafina, who you're going to see in the new Oceans movie, uh, Dumbfounded, who many many rap fans might know from the battle circuit, and uh, two other guys, Rex Dizzy and Lyrics. So it's those four rappers trying to make it, quote unquote, but also against this backdrop of how Asians have fit in and not fit in in rap. And it's in a in bigger picture, too, it's Asian, the Asian plight in general, I think, in entertainment or in pop culture is always being on the periphery. Uh, and I think it, it does a good job of kind of telling their story while also uh, painting a picture of this, the, the bigger context around it.
0: I haven't thought about Jin in a while. What's going on with him?
1: Jin, as far as I know, is now doing stand-up comedy, believe it or not.
0: No way, really? Yeah,
1: I haven't seen him perform, but I've seen him definitely on flyers. Uh, so he's had an interesting career. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah,
0: because yeah, he was like – he. Was he signed to Rough Riders around the time of Drag On and stuff?
1: He was, he was, and and it's a very interesting part of this doc, kind of uh, documenting his qu- quick rise uh, via BET Freestyle Fridays. People could remember, you know, that he was on for like seven straight weeks, defeating oh, yeah. uh, defeating all these people, and then he got signed to Rough Riders. Basically, on the show, Swizz Beats was a judge, and then his first single was a song called "Learn Chinese." Uh, probably best forgotten, but uh, he (laughs) talks about it in the doc how they didn't quite know what to do with him, and I think, uh, you know, they just basically went with the lowest hanging fruit, which is kind of this Chinese kung fu thing for his first single, and it it basically doomed his career. Uh, Yeah, they had
0: a hard, I mean, like, it was hard for people to figure out what to do with battle rappers in general at at that time. Remember, Blaze Battle was so big. Yeah. And it was like, Idea was, was amazing, and... He wound up being more of an indie rapper, obviously, uh, and doing like his own thing before tragically passing. But um, Jin, I remember Jin is like, what do you do with guys like this who are almost like ISO players? How do you fit them into like a rap song
1: system? Totally, totally. It's a good analogy. And I think one of the subject, the main subjects, Dumbfounded, who I mentioned before, part of this film tracks his return to the battle circuit. And there's kind of like an eight mile esque climactic scene i won't spoil it but you know he's at the king of the dot in toronto which is a famous battle and he's facing off against this guy conceited and uh it's a really effective scene and and it uh, the build-up to it is nice and and you know it's a brisk 80 minutes bad rap that uh, i think is enjoyable so and Uh, full disclosure so you know some of my friends made it and are in it so but even if they weren't i'd still endorse it
0: yeah, I mean, it's okay when your friends make something cool. Uh, <laughs> before I let you go, I mean, let me let me ask you: Who was your favorite battle rapper of that time period? Was it Juice? You was know, Juice, who, was,
1: Juice was... from 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 like back in the days, kind of.
0: Yeah, well, I guess at any time, but I suppose like there was that run there from because I feel like there was like a bunch of guys like always there was like yeah you know like. They might not have the songs of the album or the record deal, but like juice could take anybody, you know
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, there was like you know freestyle I mean battles have taken so many forms over the years, uh one rapper I've always liked in a battle scenario is cassidy, uh, another film oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't he know he, he
0: he went against freeway for a while there yeah was, that
1: was the famous studio battle, yeah, um. But yeah, I mean, I I kind of, I just enjoy it for the sport of it. But I think, like you said, it's difficult to translate that into a studio and an album and all of that. And I think rappers have tried and failed at that for years.
0: I wonder if any of these new guys can battle. I wonder if any of the freshmen on XXL can battle.
1: Uh, They should just just practice rapping regularly (laughs) and then then take it from there. You got to crawl before you ball.
0: We got to have old man Donnie on again (laughs) to talk about the the freshman on (laughs) XXL. All right. Um, Donnie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, The name of the doc is – what's the name of the doc? It's
1: called Bad Rap, and you can get it on iTunes and Amazon. So check it out. Okay.
0: A lot of good doc recommendations. All right. Donnie, thanks so much. Uh, We'll we'll be right back with Cam Collins.
1: Cool. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Now I'm joined by uh, the Ringer's movie writer, Cam Collins, one of my favorite guests on The Watch – So always great to hear from him. Uh, Cam, what's going on? What do you recommend for us today?
6: I'm actually going to recommend music, um, which is unlike me. But the album that I keep coming back to um, is the new Slow Dive album, New-ish. It's a a few months old now, but I keep coming back to it. I can't stop listening to it. I, like, every week listen to whatever came out that week and then go back to Slow Dive. Um, It's the self-titled album, this first, their first album in 22 years, they disbanded a while ago, um, and they're back on the scene, and it is like, for me, it's the way Beach House's Bloom was the album of that summer, just the darker, yeah. moody, summer night album, Slow Dives, Slow Dive is that for me this summer, I think.
0: So are you are you a big Shoegaze fan? So for folks that don't know, so, slow, slow Dive was like... Kind of a, a post-muddy, my bloody Valentine, like Shuggae's band from England, like Ride, that it just makes these ethereal, dreamy, tremoloed-out, beautiful guitar uh, epics. And dude, were you a big Valentine fan, or is this like the kind, is this like your favorite kind of music? Or
6: I am a Valentine fan, but this was sort of like a. It was, it was pretty much isolated to Valentine, and now and now it's like this is becoming an, a gateway drug to just a lot of music, okay. older music <laughs> that I like yeah. hadn't had it listen to. I, I wander a lot musically. I, I like I just I tend to fall in love with particular bands and artists and less so genres. Um, so it's always great when I get to find an album that's really just addictive for me, and it just really suits my yeah. mood, which is just like it's relaxed, <laughs> um, but still thoughtful, um, and still got a lot of tension, and it's it's weird. But it, it's also just it's just always in the background of my mind, even when I'm not listening to it, frankly.
0: oh, uh, This is great because I, I was I've been, I've, been I've, I've listened to it like once or twice and then kind of got distracted by other stuff. But, you know, how it, like what's like with Spotify and stuff now, it's like you can just kind of like build your own the way that you can kind of pursue obsession with this. It's like you don't have to wait to like just keep. Whether it's playing it back or finding other stuff that sounds like it, or yeah. finding like the other things that they've done, are you into um, Mojave Three at all? The band that was sort of the in-between band for Slow Dive.
6: Yeah, so because of this album, I've gone back and listened to it a little bit. Um, yes, absolutely, um, but not as much as like really. This album was like listening to Slow Dive's newest album and then going back and listening to their other stuff. I've just been dwelling there. Like I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend more time on Mojave Three soon.
0: Are you a, like a, a walker with music, or are you a like like a like a sitting around listening to music guy?
6: I don't know if you asked that because you could tell that I was a walker, <laughs> but I'm definitely <laughs> I'm definitely a walker. Yeah, um, I
0: love the the I love firing up and going going on long like kind of aimless walks.
6: No, I I like make excuses to like my roommates know this. I make excuses to like go to the convenience store and take forty five minutes <laughs> because I'm just yeah. listening to music. I do that a lot with you know, this when it came out. For example, I just like went for a walk. My roommate's like, we thought you were kidnapped. Um, and it's like, yeah, no, yeah, it's a new Kanye that's came like out.
0: the the big thing with LA is like the way that the car changes it. Like, so you just become. It it, be, it makes slow music is like you've really got to be in the mood for yeah. slower, more atmospheric movie music because you want something propulsive while you're driving. Yeah, that but makes then a lot the of traffic sense. in LA is like it really messes it up. Like if you're sitting listening to punk in traffic, yeah. you just feel like you're about to go full falling down.
6: Yeah, no, that makes a lot. That, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about that, and I would wonder if Slow Dive would really play as well in the car for me. I feel like it maybe. I would maybe go to sleep and, like, die. <laughs>
1: that would be bad. Be bad.
6: <laughs> Which is not saying anything bad but about their album. But that would make you
0: the worst driver in L.A., though.
6: So I'm from New Jersey. Okay. I'm sure I'm already worse than everyone in L.A., to be <laughs> honest.
0: You'd be surprised. <laughs> okay, so Cam recommends the self-titled new album from Slow Dive. It's their first record in about 20 years. Cam, thank you so much, as always, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. we back on Soon to Talk Movies. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks to Justin, Kate, Andrew, Lindsay, Donnie, and Cam for joining me today on this special episode of The New York Ringer Recommends on The Watch. Andy and I will be back on Monday, no doubt talking about Twin Peaks, no doubt talking about Preacher, which we'll be back on on Sunday night, and I'm very excited for that. We'll probably wrap up some Handmaids, um, and we ought to talk about the last episode of Fargo, which will be coming up that week. So full TV slate on Monday. Can't wait to have Greenwald back in the studio. You guys have a great weekend. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by T.J. Miller's Meticulously Ridiculous special. Comedian, actor, and voiceover artist T.J. Miller is starring in his first HBO stand-up special entitled T.J. Miller, Meticulously Ridiculous. The special highlights the Silicon Valley star's high-energy, unorthodox comedic observations on life, death, and everything in between. T.J. Miller, Meticulously Ridiculous premieres Saturday, June 17th at 10 p.m. on HBO. Today's episode of The Watch was also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Things change, the weather changes, your mood definitely changes. So why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels, even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear, while knowing you'll score a great price and a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app to find seriously amazing deals now.